0: Hi, this is Rob Wiltsy, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom, professional-quality videos for school districts. We want to make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So check out some samples at SchoolShine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can
1: take your videos to the next level. That's SchoolShine.org. Do you wish that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort? Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit betterk12newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt.
2: Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it. Now, back to the podcast.
1: advocating for public education, sharing our stories, and celebrating our schools, students, teachers, and staff. From crisis communications to media relations, social media, and everything in
3: between, we're here to give you the best strategies, tools, and techniques to help educators help our kids. Welcome to the School PR Podcast, brought to you by Blackboard, School Shine, and Market Bolt. Here's your host, Ryan Ferran. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are thrilled you are with us. Special guest today. We are talking about getting the most value and engagement out of your videos. A very important topic. We know how big videos are these days and what they can do for your school district, your school, and your brand. But let's take that to the next level. And we have Rob Wiltze, the founder of School Shine, with us today. Rob, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to be here. It's been great working with you recently. Thanks for the sponsorship and partnership uh, with the podcast. We are thrilled to have you, and what you can bring to our listeners is awesome. When we were just talking before this, um, so I'm excited to give people some insights into improving their videos, their engagement, and really um, some of those technical tips, but also the why behind videos and making sure that is in place before you set out to make these great videos for your school or your school district. So Rob, let's just start with kind of the the big picture videos and the different types of videos you guys do. If somebody comes to you saying, I know we want to get ourselves out there, not sure exactly the best way to do it. What are what's some of the things that you'll throw at them as far as here's some possible concepts we can work on and you should consider doing?
0: Sure. So, yeah, I mean, you know, most of the districts we work with will come to us and say, um, these are our objectives and this is our audience. You know, we we want to move the needle here on this messaging point with this audience. And from there, um, y- you know, it really is a matter of coming up with. Uh, okay, given that, you know, you're going to find these people on this platform and given that this is how to engage people on this platform, we'll propose, uh, we will come up with a creative concept that really cuts through the noise, which is really what it's all about, When it, especially when it comes to organic content. So if you're, if you're talking about Facebook, you know, what piece of content is actually really going to stop someone in their tracks as they're scrolling through? Um, and that bar gets higher and higher every year and so um, we think that it takes quite a bit to really stop someone in their tracks uh, on Facebook for example and so we're always trying to answer that question you know what should the opening imagery be you know what should um, the messaging be to really engage people throughout the duration um, of a piece of video content and so it really is it really does start with the objective and that's that's where we like to start the conversation.
3: Yeah you gotta figure out before you go into the video production process the why what are you hoping to get out of this video is an overall we want to increase our brand increase our enrollment let people know how amazing our staff is so i think that is such an important aspect of the process that you need to really figure out before you get into it because if you're done with the video and you're like mm, what does this do that's a big problem so figuring out the what you want to get the why of the video first i think is super
0: important uh, yeah absolutely um i i do think it's it's pretty common sometimes for you know maybe it, maybe someone will see a video um, that someone else produced and they'll get very excited and they'll come to us and say oh my gosh we want to do a video just like this. And we'll come back to them and be like, okay, but like we still need to answer the objective of why and and what do you how do you know this video is successful? How, do, how we have to decide that ahead of time so that we can make sure that the investment is uh, and it's not just an investment of money; it's it's a big investment of time on the part of our clients with whether we're working with a PIO or the director of marketing or whatever the case may be for a district. Um, it really does come down to uh, just identifying how you know this video is going to be successful, um, and of course, uh, we can get into more of of the different metrics of success along those lines, but I think you're absolutely right
3: the The target demographic too, I think is also important to consider before you start this and figure out your why who are we targeting? Is it recruitment of teachers? Is it our parents who are currently enrolled, parents that are not currently enrolled, potential students that sort of thing too is okay, who are we targeting? And then let's create and craft a video to help them understand and target them so that will also dictate, who are we interviewing? If we're trying to get parents, let's start talking to kids. If we're trying to you know, talk to parents, maybe we start talking to administrators and teachers so they can hear from them. So also, figuring out your target demographic before you start will help you plan and get that why, I think, as well, too. Hmm. What are some of the examples of videos that you guys have done as far as different styles and techniques? I've been on your website, schoolshine.org, a lot of great examples on there, but there's different styles that you guys cater to as well. What are some of those different Types of videos you guys do?
0: Sure. Uh, stylistically, we do we do a few different things. Um, it's like you said. I think interview. Uh, so interview content we call A roll, and uh, footage that goes on top of that we call B roll. Um, our clients get very familiar with these terms, um, and so <laughs> the districts we work with. Uh, so uh, so it's very common to do. You know, you see a lot of A roll B roll videos. You know, talking heads ac- uh, accompanying other footage, and that and that's and that's great. Um, it's a very surefire way of of, of communicating uh, for a particular video. But it's not, it's not the only type of content, and, and we're really challenging ourselves to break out of that mold because it is something that we see a lot, and I think maybe four or five years ago, that would earn you some good attention. Um, and it still does, but I think that the more that you break out of that mold and you try formats of videos that are not the typical A-roll, B-roll model, uh, whether it's b-roll voiceover or whether it's you know something very finely crafted with different scenes um, featuring kids speaking to camera with props we've done some of that that's worked really well um, or whether it's a dance routine that's choreographed I mean like we've we've kind of done a little bit of everything and we really try to break outside of the mold um, whatever that mold is you know and, and you know we we and breaking out of the mold today is gonna to be different than what it means to break out of that mold five years from now. It's always about looking and saying, how can we create content that is uh, that is 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 pushing itself creatively because that's where you really earn the attention.
3: I like what you brought up too, and that's, now we'll start getting into the technical aspects. You talked about A role versus B role, and then that kind of got me thinking, so what is some of the benefits and maybe it's some of the negative sides Um, comparing, contrasting, doing a narration video where somebody, like you said, is voicing it over as opposed to doing the sit-down interview, slicing that up. What are your thoughts on, let's do a narration where somebody's writing a script, one person reads it, you you put some video to it, that looks good, versus sitting people down, doing interviews, and intersplicing that. What are your thoughts on the difference between those two types?
0: Yeah. In terms of the benefit of each of them, again, I think that, okay, so if you're trying to earn attention on a social media channel, um, like Facebook, we know Facebook's still big. I mean, obviously Instagram is, is, uh, is probably king at the moment, but you know that, um, Facebook is still where you're going to reach a lot of your families and your local Mm -hmm. geographic community. It's a, it's a geographic platform, um, geocentric platform. So, um, if you're going to really earn attention there, I would say that doing something that start with no matter what style you're doing, whether whether there's a roll or not. Um, I do think a roll does have more of a corporate tone to it. So if you're going to try to reach people organically, something with a corporate tone may not be the best approach to go, but it might be the best approach if you have a captive audience. So one of the things we ask is, is this video, does this video have a captive audience? or does this video have an opt-in audience? So if you're on Facebook and you're scrolling through, that user and that, that potential viewer is in complete control of whether or not they watch your video. So what are you gonna do to seriously stop them in their tracks? And I think sometimes we judge it wrong. I think, some, I think the best question to ask is, would this legitimately stop me in my tracks after work when I could literally be looking at anything? Yeah. Right, like it, it really, uh, I think the bar is higher than we think. What is legitimately gonna stop me in my tracks for a piece of content. And I, I think that if you ask that question, you come up with a very, you, the decision making becomes very different. Whereas if you're saying, Hey, look, we have this, um, we have this event coming up where we have a, a, a captive audience in a, in a room and they're going to watch a piece of content or, you know, the, the, we have a newsletter and the people receiving this newsletter, they already care about this. They're already predisposed to wanting to watch this. Um, then you can then a corporate a corporate feel might be the best approach, you know. So I think it really has to it has to do with um, really really being honest about the viewership be- and understanding the viewership behavior of your audience. And so, yeah. So a great question to ask is: is is, is this an opt-in audience or a captive audience? If it's opt-in, you have. So if it's a captive audience, all you have to do is just communicate the information in a really concise way. Mm -hmm. If it's an opt-in audience, like social media or somewhere else, um, you have an additional task, and the additional task is making them stop and actually Mm -hmm. caring about the content. And if you don't do that, um, I, that's where I see a lot of a lot of organic content failing <clears throat> is because they make a video that there's technically nothing wrong with the video um, but it's not really it's not assaulting my attention mm-hmm. in the middle of my newsfeed because I'm following my friends, I'm following you know novelty funny accounts yeah. i'm there's a lot you have to compete with on my newsfeed to make me pay attention to that. As opposed to everything else, and so, um, so that's where I would say, you know, uh, I think the A-roll B-roll style is something that is tried and true. It's always going to be there, mm-hmm. um, but I think that it's it's probably not the best content to to uh, stop someone in their tracks.
3: I think for. The interviews, you're talking about the A, B-roll content. I think those do well when you're trying to get the emotion of it and let people kind of understand, bring them inside. And in a moment, we're going to let people listen to you. did a great video, a teacher vignette for a school district, where you really get the emotion of why they're teaching, why are they in their schools, and why they love working with kids, which you guys did a brilliant job getting the emotion out of it. But I also – so I I tend to favor that. We do a lot of – interviews in our district but there are cases where the narration there's a lot of districts doing uh, that i've seen in southern california doing a great job with these 60 seconds videos that are just doing it's like a newsletter recap you kind of talked about the newsletter thing where it's just a narration somebody the communications director somebody's going to voice it over do a narration and then it's quick nice you don't need to do all these um edits and all that sort of thing and that serves its purpose well so i think figuring that out which style you want first is great so if you are doing a narration here's my question so i've seen some of these school districts doing narrations who do you think or who do you advise should be doing the voiceover for should it be the superintendent the principal should you hire a professional maybe a student does that vary what are your thoughts about who should be narrating it
0: hmm <clears throat> that's a great question i think that there's a time and a place for everything so so we love uh, we've experimented with having you know a high schooler for, let's let's say we're telling the story and when you use the word uh, narration are you, are you are you speaking about we're actually telling an anecdote of a particular person or is this more just worse? kind of the
3: general voiceover gonna voice yeah uh,
0: yeah for general voiceover I think we've had great success um Going the professional route, we've gone the professional route, and there's some great websites out there like Voices.com. You can even use Fiverr. Uh, you can look up people on Fiverr that will that will uh, do narrations for you. How are we
3: spelling fiber? Fiverr?
0: F I V E R R two R. I know there's two R's. Okay. I think like it's a F- high
3: Fiverr with two R's. It's a high Fiverr with <laughs> okay. two R's.
0: So Fiverr, a lot of your listeners, maybe your listeners already uh, have have used Fiverr for other things. Um, it's just a great place. It's a really affordable place to hire different self-employed people to do all kinds of cool stuff Um, and and you can get some good voiceovers on there pretty cheap Um, voices.com is is, uh, what we like to use a lot and we've got um, we've had great success finding some some real premium talent on there for voiceovers so again if you're doing a if you're doing a front-facing video that's 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 representing the district at large or even one of your school sites at large I think using professional voiceover is great or you can find someone who's very articulate, with like a student. Mm-hmm. I love the student voice idea. We've done that a lot. So we'll give a professional voiceover. We'll write a script like we would give a professional voiceover artist, but we'll have a really articulate student give the delivery, and they have that they have that authenticity in their voice, mm-hmm. and they're actually speaking about their own school, uh, or their own district. And I think there's something really authentic about that that we love to do, and, and we've had some great success there too.
3: That's awesome, and. By the way, our, since a uh, recent rebranding of the School PR podcast, our introduction is done by a friend of mine, Ashley Cheney. If you're interested in contacting her, let me know. She did a great job with the voiceover, and she does voiceover. What is the price range that you guys see? For people that don't know, I mean, I think it's a great idea. If you can use a student voice, your principal. The other thing is, though, you need to think about turnover. Like, if I want this video to last three years, is this person going to be there? Is this student going to be in middle school or high school now? Mm. So it's one of those things yeah. to keep in mind. Uh, I went with a professional and somebody I knew just because support her and she does a great job. The price ranges though, uh, kind of wide. What do you guys see when you do these for videos? Is there-
0: yeah, um, price range. I mean, if if you if you can <clears throat> if you can uh, afford um, two to three hundred dollars, which which it depends what your expectation is. I mean, that could be a lot or a little to you. Um, I mean, I mean three hundred dollars for a. A A level voice read is is pretty affordable. So if you're going for that, um, and a lot of our videos, we will just bundle that in. Um, if, if it's if you know instead of you know doing a full interview setup, we'll you know if we're commissioning um, some voiceover, then then that's something we'll, that's a cost we'll just absorb. Um, or you know uh, Fiverr, I think you can get away with less. It also depends on how long your script is. So a lot of them will charge by the word or by bundle of words. And so, um, yeah. So I would say if you're, you know, uh, you shouldn't ever have to spend less than a few hundred dollars to get something very professional for, you know, for a 90 second video or something like that. Yeah.
3: And if you're not sure, you know, who's going to do the voiceover, I would probably go with a professional. It's going to make it sound so much better and give you that next level feel of professionalism. So let's play the audio of this video for people. Uh, This is you guys interviewing. Teachers, give us kind of the setup, then we'll listen to it and come back and talk about it.
0: Yeah, so uh, this was for uh, Chula Vista Elementary School District, and we, we do videos with them uh, year round, and and we uh, we wanted to really we wanted to capture in a bottle just the passion that the teachers had for teaching, and really uh, just build that trust with the community uh, in regards to the teachers. So we we sat them down and we did kind of a uh, if you have if you have a chance to check out the visuals of this, we're pretty proud of of I think the visual element of this too. It has a real triple A level um, production quality, um, and so you can check it out on our on our uh, on our website.
3: We'll put the link. Actually, we'll put the link in, we'll in the, the link. show notes in, yeah, the, in that's the podcast a good, too. So yeah, actually, p- click on it.
0: Put it there because actually, I don't know if it is on our website yet. But yeah, so you can check the, check it out uh, here. Um, so yeah, we just asked them um, to just talk about. Uh, talk about their passion for teaching. We we didn't want to lead them in any direction or another. We really just wanted to make them comfortable and and uh, and, and really get them diving deep emotionally into why they love teaching. So um, yeah, I can move this over here. All right,
3: let's take a listen. And we'll come back and chat about it.
2: home life was challenging or a little hard.
1: My teachers at school made me feel so good about myself and made me feel acknowledged. I knew that I wanted to do the same and make
0: students, especially young children, feel like they matter.
2: I found myself as an instructional assistant in a special education class and I fell
1: in love. I just was always drawn to kids and helping kids and. It's just something I wanted to do since I was really little.
2: I love most when I have kids visit me when they're finished and they tell me the impacts that the whole school's had for them.
3: Sometimes you'll see that this child has so much extra potential, but if we always
1: stay within the lines of certain things, we're not going to see that. If we only teach them just the basics, that's what they're going to settle for biggest attribute I want to like instill in my students is that every day they have worth and value just by being themselves. Being a special education teacher, many times I have students
2: who feel defeated and I want them to know that they can do anything, they can keep going.
1: Words can really hurt and so I want to show them when they come in the door, words
0: can really show you how much you're loved too. I just hope that when they leave my classroom that they feel good about themselves and they know their
3: own self worth.
0: I want them to be compassionate. I want them to be voracious
2: learners. I want them just to be hungry for life and learning and just pursuing whatever it is that makes them happy.
3: This podcast is also brought to you by MarketVolt Email Newsletter Solutions, providing industry leading email newsletter solutions that better connect over 800,000 parents. Staff and community members with their school district. Learn more about Market Bolt at Better K12 Newsletter.com.
2: Blackboard believes in the power of good communication in helping students succeed and is a proud sponsor of School PR with Ryan Ferran. Blackboard, education's partner in change.
3: So, this is just an amazing example of that A Roll, B Roll, the interviews we talked about, but you guys did such a good job of getting the emotion out getting the passion out. If I'm a parent watching this, I am thrilled beyond belief that my kid is in this person's classroom because you can hear the passion in them, why they love teaching, being with students. Um, what people can't see, but click on the link in the show notes, is the lighting on this is amazing. The, the slow-mo, the cutaways that you guys do. But I want to talk about um, the importance of asking a good question to get these amazing answers back and to get the emotion, the engagement in the videos. Talk about the art and science of asking the right questions to elicit very dramatic emotional responses.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that like a lot of things, um, there's there's probably 99 ways to ask interview questions that aren't gonna get you there, and there's maybe one that is, and we're always trying to figure that out. Um, the easiest way I can describe it is there's – you want to ask questions that don't corner the interviewee into a particular answer. Um, you really – what you're really trying to do is, first of all, get them comfortable because most people that you're going to interview, these teachers and maybe students and faculty, they're they're never on camera, and so they're probably very nervous. And so the first thing you want to do is really make them feel comfortable, and one of the best ways to do that is um, – is just by asking really open-ended questions that just really get them relaxed and thinking about their honest answers. They're probably coming in thinking about the answers that you're wanting them to give, and so it's what you find is you have to kind of do a little bit of work to get them to the place where they're actually in touch with their own emotions and where they're the cameras are rolling. There's lights. There's all this stuff, um, but they're they're forgetting all that and they're just getting in touch with their own emotions. And so I love I love. And there's also another practical thing here, which is you want to ask questions that are grammatically open-ended. So this is a funny <laughs> one. I, you probably, you might know where I'm going with this. Whereas if you say if you say, um, first of all, never ask a yes/no question. That's pretty obvious. You know, you're just going to get a you know. So do you like it here? You know, at Arcadia, and they'll say yes, yeah. I uh, yes I do, <laughs> and then you can't use that, right? Yeah. But then the other thing is you don't even want to ask a question that. I love starting questions that are just tell me about blank, mm-hmm. talk about blank. You know. Talk about Arcadia, talk mm-hmm. about um, the faculty here, talk about what gets you up in the morning for teaching. Because first of all, you're gonna get an emotionally authentic answer. And you're also not gonna get, you're also gonna get a grammatically uh, complete answer. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of has a practical side there too. Um, and also I would say that um, g- flow with them. So, so a lot of times you have your, you know, maybe you've, you've prepared to interview a teacher or, or a student You've got your notes, and and you're trying to keep them on on your plan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of value, especially at the beginning of the interview, in just like put your notes on the side and just talk to them, and go where they go. So 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 get ready to just have a conversation. You can get to your notes later. Mm-hmm. Um, so by doing that, you're gonna first of all you're gonna make them comfortable. Second of all, you're you're actually gonna find the good stuff. You're gonna find the really the the gold nuggets that you couldn't have anticipated right where they're like where you're really getting their passion up front and then what you find is maybe half your questions you know uh don't need to be asked because they they said something better or because they they're going in a new direction so i think i think staying nimble is is important too and 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 really being uh being generous with with sort of walking in their shoes
3: rob i'm gonna go where you just went because you had so many good points A is leave your script behind. You can have some bullet points of what you wanna ask, but you have to listen to the person to have good follow-ups. What you just said about making them comfortable is so true. I spent years as a TV news reporter interviewing people, right? and sometimes it is like twisting arms to get them to do an interview, but you have a deadline at six o'clock, and you need this interview, and you need it to be a good interview that gets the emotion, the information of the story, And so you need to make them comfortable. Like you said, teachers, they're not doing interviews every day. How do I make them comfortable and authentic? Especially when you guys come in and sit down with them. There's lights, there's an audio guy, there's somebody else. And they're like, oh my God, their level nerves just went through the roof. So for me as a news reporter, it was the same thing. How do I get this person comfortable? We just talked off camera. It was amazing. They get on camera. They're frozen. They can't even articulate anywhere near what they just said. So I would always like to... A quick little joke with them like you said a softball question to get them talking about something fun that they like Um, I'd make fun of myself do something silly which is easy to do Um, but you have to do that to to ease them into it when people watch this they'll see like wow this is a professional setup there's light there's camera you can tell like there's a lot of people in the room it's just not you and them talking but when you get 30 seconds in All that disappears, but it's because you made them comfortable. So that's a great point. Don't start with the hardball question of like, let's get into this. Um, You need to make them comfortable. And you guys did such a good job of getting the emotion into it. The other thing is it's the question you ask. So for this, it's a great question because it's talking, tapping into somebody's passion. This is what they want to talk about. They don't want to talk about video editing or this. They want to talk about teaching, what they do, why they do it, and about their stories. So I think you brought up some great points that will help people is A, ask good questions. If they go somewhere, follow them to just go with them, make them more comfortable. And the power is in tapping into people's passions, what they want to talk about. That's how you get great interviews, great videos, and that leads to engagement and your whole purpose of that. Um, anything else you would add to that about the question and the answer kind of
0: Uh, portion of the videos? (laughs) Yeah, a couple other good uh, good nuggets that help. um, That help me. So so, if you're doing a real a real in depth interview too. um, So let's say you're interviewing someone and they're just freezing up and they're just not able to. They're not loose, and you need them to be loose, and you've tried the upfront questions. Uh, uh, probably what they're doing is they're they're obsessing over, they're probably listening to the words come out of their own mouths and judging them. So they're, they're doing, like when, when they have a normal conversation when there's no cameras, they probably sound super fluid and great, mm-hmm. but here they are in front of camera, they just, they're stumbling, they're saying, oh hey, uh, can I do that again? They're doing all this stuff. And, and uh, the problem is, they are overthinking it and they're listening to themselves talk which is not something we normally do but you start judging yourself in front of in front of a camera and so the best thing to do is tell them a couple of things number 1 tell them look we're going to edit this thing no matter what you say it's going to be polished by the time we're done editing this thing which is true i mean we we have you know with our editing techniques we can make almost anything sound fluid <clears throat> a lot of times people are amazed when they see the final version we give them they're like wait I said all that and I'm like yeah you did.
3: That's a great point because I would always do that too and I forgot to bring that up is when it was on tape I'd always remind them look this is on tape I'm going to edit out so much of this stuff I need a 30 gem. gen I'm going to take out your uh's your stammers, and all that stuff I'm going to take out mine too but that's such a good point Put so many people at ease. If you're not doing a live interview, look, this is on tape. We're going to edit this. We're going to make you look good. We want you to look good. And so that does just bring the anxiety level so down yep. as far as this is not live. Don't worry about it. We're going to edit it, and make it look beautiful.
0: That's great. I even tell them, I even tell them, say like, say um. You can stop, you can pause, you can stammer. Do whatever you're, <laughs> you know, the one thing you can't, you're not allowed to do is stop. Don't stop yourself. Don't say, Oh, can I say that again? If you were delivering this in front of a live audience, you wouldn't say, Oh, sorry, everyone. Can I say that again? (laughs) You would just power through. Mm -hmm. We need you to power through because it's going to be great. And the the other thing we tell them is especially when it comes to, in my opinion or my experience, um, unless, and you know, this from broadcast, like unless someone is a, is a seasoned, trained broadcast professional, the odds of them delivering a script in a way that feels like it's coming from their heart is it's pretty low. I mean, the odds that they're going to be able to do that—it's a skill. You know, it's a skill to be able to deliver something pre-written in a way that sounds authentic and smooth, and not a lot of times it sounds like it's being read. And, you know, and that's and that's how it sounds for, for most mm-hmm. people. And so, a t- couple tips with that is number one: don't don't pre-script something out. For your person, like if you're gonna try to do a, what I would do is do bullet points,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and make sure that your interviewee is gonna internalize those bullet points. So if if you're interviewing your superintendent, or if you're interviewing, um, if you're interviewing, you know, a student or a teacher, you might be tempted to script something out, or maybe they script something mm-hmm. out, right? If they come with a script. Tell them, okay, you know, or if they, you know, if they're writing a script, tell them, hey, just bullet point it out uh, and, and, and don't worry about the words you're saying. It, the, the, what I love, this, these are some magic words here. There's some magic words that I've found doing this for over 10 years. Say, I want you to stop thinking about the words you're saying and I want you to start only, just think about what you mean. What do you mean? Right when you when you're when you're giving us this bullet point, just tell me what you mean. Yeah, doesn't matter how you say it, mm-hmm. and it puts people's it puts people out of that judgment of their sentences and their delivery and into their intent and into the into the the message. And I think you you just want to do everything you can to get them there. And I can't tell you how many times I've given that tip, like deep into an interview that's kind of going off the rails, yeah. and it just gets us back on track. And so um, it might work for 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 you guys.
3: Yeah, and that's a good point too. I remember last year, Doctor Benalzal and i were doing a video i forget what it was it was a short video we scripted it out at first and he's going through it and he's he's such a great speaker does all these conferences and sessions and staff meetings and the like and he, he was like god i'm just having trouble getting through this and he i think he decided we decided just get rid of the script we'll do a few takes and it was just like you said the the uh how authentic it was was just so much more natural and you can't you have to be, even news anchors, I'm in the news business, you you can tell they're reading a script and it's hard not to have that. I remember, uh, not to at all get into politics, at, at the beginning of Trump's term, when he was doing, you know, when he would do these rallies and stuff, you know, he's speaking, it's natural, and then he, the first one or two speeches that he had scripted in a teleprompter, it was the most noticeable difference, and then people commented on it and then the next day he's like forget this scripted stuff unless it's super super high level and I gotta say word by word but you just can't read a script and be natural I mean it's some people are a little bit better but it's hard to get that emotion authenticity that you talked about
0: reading a script a- absolutely yeah yeah it takes training uh, actually I mean I mean, there's a reason that people go to broadcast school and uh, you know even even if they, they they're trained in acting I mean acting is reading lines mm-hmm. authentically so you, you really almost have to have actors, acting skills
3: one of the tricks um, that I learned reading a teleprompter is you're actually reading three words ahead of what's actually coming out of your mouth oh, so interesting. people aren't I'm welcome to the podcast We appreciate you joining us. This is sponsored by... So it's got to be like I'm seeing the words ahead before they actually come out of your mouth, but it does. It takes a long time to actually get that technique down. Interesting. Um, In this video, too, what I really love about it, besides the lighting, um, is the music. This is such a big topic for people who talk about it all the the time in our school PR groups is what uh, (coughs) copyright-free music can I use? What (laughs) royalty-free music can I use? The music in there is awesome. What are your suggestions for where people go to get good music, background music, how to use it, incorporate it, and all, all that stuff?
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, this is this is a can of worms because um, <laughs> or a rabbit hole, if yeah, you will, whatever whatever analogy you prefer. <laughs> I um because uh, so I'm 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 very uh, my team knows I'm very opinionated about music, <laughs> um, partly because I'm I'm also like a musician and I'm also very I just really I really. Like for me, music hits me deep, you know what I mean? Like for some people, maybe it's like food, for some people it's like different things, you know. uh, For me, like, um, you know, music really hits me. So one of the important things about music is, and I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen those trailers on YouTube where they will take a movie, maybe it's like an action movie, right? Uh, or a really dramatic movie, but they'll, and they'll they'll take the trailer and they'll they'll re-edit it with like comedy music, and they're like, oh, now it's a comedy. Tra-. Have you yes, seen those? Yes, <clears throat> yes <clears throat> yeah. Yes. So it's like, and and you're like, oh my gosh, this seems like it would work as a comedy, right? And really, the the biggest thing you did was change the music, and the music really dictates how you feel. Um, I'm very very picky with music because um, I mean the, the music I'm looking for with and my, my team is so patient with me I'll, I'll make them change music all the time um, <laughs> on the on the tracks and the, the tracks they picked aren't bad here's the thing that they pick great tracks but but it's like is it giving me goosebumps mm-hmm. because if it's not we, we need to keep looking um, and this actually takes me back to something that I was gonna say about,
3: because the music in the teacher vignette gives me goosebumps, and the whole video does. You, you can't help but to feel the same emotion. And the music, as we all know, it gets emotion out of you, and it plays such a critical role. The teacher one, that is that gives you goosebumps watching it. And I think the music has a huge part of it.
0: It's a huge part of it, and because you know, so this is what's interesting. And I I did a piece of LinkedIn content recently, like you know, three ways that most pieces of video content are a legit missed opportunity and one of the reasons is because so you think about video content i mean this is cinema this is film this is like you know like movies change culture movies movies can make you cry movies can make you laugh i mean the this is a powerful medium um because you have because you have music you have visuals you have like a story arc you have like Maybe, you know, impactful graphics, whatever it is. You have all these, I think the emotional potential for video content is maybe the biggest missed opportunity on average because, because it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of craft also to, to figure out how to evoke emotions from video content. And that's the carrot at the end of our stick that we're always trying to figure out. For me, th- one of the most underrated factors is the music choice. Um, If you find, I think the amount of music I would consider, by the way, you you asked where we get our music. There's a bunch of websites you can look at. There's musicbed.com, there's artlist.io, there's soundstripe.com, and there's some more, like this as well, but all of these are annual subscriptions, so you pay one flat fee, and it's not even that high. And you get access to their entire database. Give and so, me an
3: example of what a fee would be for one of those sites. Oh, it might be might be
0: a couple hundred bucks. Actually, MusicBed is is about is a little over a thousand for a year. Whoa! But uh, when you you know we do we do a, we do three hundred plus pieces of video content a year right now as a team. It's a huge it's mm. a huge um, uh, value for us, and so. Um, but I would, uh, you know, and you can license songs one at a time too. There's there's another website called Audio Network. Um, they don't offer, I don't believe they offer annuals. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think they offer annuals. Uh, I think, but they're a great place to look for. Like we're we're doing a documentary style um, video. It's about a seven minute, eight minute doc for um, Hemet Unified, and it's a it's much more of a docu style, mm. Netflixy feel. Um, and so the Audio Network is great for that. Um, music Bed is, and the other ones I mentioned, are, are more for promo stuff. You know, they've got, um, or like this. I, I think we probably got this off of the Music Bed for the teacher vignette. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're going to pay, I think on the low end, a couple hundred bucks a year. Um, but remember, I mean, it, it used to be that licensing a single piece of video content, a single piece was like a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. So so comparing it to, and it, and it also completely depends on, your use case i mean you know i don't think anyone's gonna ding you for using stuff if you know it, you know I, i'm not a lawyer so i'm not gonna go into it but i, I think yeah. that you know i mean like it, it's like it, it's all about your use case is this going mm. on tv is this going right. on social media is this an internal thing that no one will see right. but a select group of people well then you can make your own judgment as to uh, yeah. to what licensing you want to pay for but um yeah but i absolutely i think that um i think music is is uh a deeply emotional, it, it, it dictates how you feel and it can be a powerful, and I, I would, I would, I would, in most cases, I wouldn't over contemplate, you know, elements of production, but I, I would, I would over contemplate music choice. Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah. And I, there's some royalty free, you can search YouTube too, but I think getting that next level quality that you guys talk about, um, I think those are some good options you provided as well. Um, little, probably a little bit difficult to talk about on the podcast, but lighting is also so key. What are some of your tips you can give to people to help improve their lighting? I always, when we do our smartphone kind of workshops and stuff, you know, I give them the basics of the light and the sun should be at your back. You know, don't fight against it just so it doesn't darken out the lens and stuff like that. You guys obviously bring in nice lights. Um, for our little studio in Arcadia, we Got some decent ones on Amazon for cheap that do a pretty good job. What are your thoughts, philosophy on lighting?
0: Gosh, yeah, that's a that is a obviously a, a topic. I mean, people go to people go to school for uh, <laughs> for four years to learn about lighting. Um, the cinematographers, it's worth mentioning that the cinematographers we use are all trained f- cinema, you know, they're, they're cinematography graduates, and so they, you know, they they understand. Lighting on a very serious level, they could light. They could light a movie, and it would and it would hold up. So, so the the amount of the amount of technical experience that comes into walking into a new environment, whether it's a new classroom or a library or outside, and just knowing how to control that lighting to give it that cinematic look, uh, there's a lot to it. And so, but I, what I can say, um, and I would I would also say like a lot of expertise went into lighting. You know, this mm-hmm. teacher band. What I would say is, you know, three-point lighting is something anyone can learn. I mean, it's you know, you can definitely learn the basics. So, three-point lighting is you have your key, you have your fill, and you have your backlight. And so, buying three, so you know, uh, your your key is like your your primary source of light that's hitting them from one side. If you if you're doing an interview and they're looking, uh, I can get very technical here, so you can, <laughs> you can let me know what you want me to say no, or how deep. But you know, if if they're looking, if they're on, uh, you know, the right of Frame and they're looking to the left. Mm -hmm. That means that you should have you should have them framed. You know, you have them framed on the on the right of frame. So um, you want the light coming from the open side. So you want the light coming from the right side um, for the key. Mm -hmm. And then for your fill, that's adding that's that's filling in on the opposite side. So you want that um, you want that to be lower than your key, but you, you want that coming from the opposite side. Uh, the you know the end the edge that they're closest to, and then your backlight or your rim light you know whatever you, whatever you want to do it uh you know that comes from behind and you want that to be actually a pretty bright source but again a lot of this is a lot of this is subjective and different people, mm-hmm. some people like rim light, some people don't um a good way that i've heard it put is uh by cinematographers this might be Roger Deacons or one of the great cinematographers mm-hmm. you know that that <clears throat> cinematography you know if film film is your canvas and light is your is your paint so so that's that's how they think about it they think Mm -hmm. about that you know it's all about the light visually what makes what makes a certain shot look amazing versus not it's it has more to do with how it's lit than what the shot is of Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it has more to do with um the way that you balance the colors the way that you balance the lighting and the and the um and uh, it's even, you know, and, and then it even comes, once you know the rules, then you start, you know, being able to break rules and be mm-hmm. even more interesting, you know, so you you, n- you never want to stay totally safe. I mean, in these opening shots, we are looking directly into the light source. Mm-hmm. Um, that would obviously be a, uh, that's obviously breaking some rule. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want to normally see your lights. Um, and also this is overexposed, you know, but, but, it, but it works because mm-hmm. um, it, you know, our cinematographers will know how to kind of break rules in really Creative, impactful ways. So yeah, lighting is a is a huge factor, and then you get into things like color temperatures, and you get into, you know, um, how do you how do you soften the light versus having hard light, and you get into diffusion and all this stuff. And I mean, you get into, um, you know, our, our cinematographers have light meters; they're they're measuring the light against the face, and they're tra- and they're adjusting the cameras accordingly and things like that. So uh, it is a t- you know. So don't worry about you know you know being Roger Deakins with your videos um, just but 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 definitely like inve- if you're shooting videos in-house mm-hmm. um, you know you might here's a, here's a here's a great tip okay so let's say you're filming something on a cell phone you're filming an announcement video on mm-hmm. a cell phone you know user-generated content school should be doing more of that stuff anyway pick a spot don't don't shoot them in the direct Sun Sh- you know pick a spot that's in the shade so you have everything you want you want to find indirect lighting so mm-hmm. if you're in the shade. Near a bright building, right? But you're not in the light. You're not in the light source. Mm-hmm. You're in the sh- you're in the shade, and there's a bright building across the way or something like that. That's going to give you mm. very soft lighting, but you're still going to have you're still going to have lots of um, uh, you you're, you're going to have lots of light at the same time. You're not going to mm-hmm. be. It's not going to seem sh- shady and dark. So yeah. there's there's a there's a way to basically not have to set up any lights at all. And just maneuver and pick the right background so that nothing's overexposed, nothing's underexposed, um, and uh, and your subject is nice and, and lit. Um, so there's ways there's ways of doing that without having to set up any lights at all. So, but it is nice to. Uh, to, it, it is good, you know. I would just go on. <laughs> you can go
3: on YouTube yeah. and probably learn your three-point setups. So. But that's a great. I was going to recommend that go to YouTube. I actually did that a couple years ago and uh, get a refresher or learn about three-point lighting. It's a good next-level lighting for somebody that doesn't have any lighting experience, but it'll give you some concepts to start thinking about, and then you'll know what to kind of look for. But three-point lighting, YouTube, and I'm sure there's a lot of good tutorials on there about that. As we wrap up with Rob. Uh, one question that is an important one that I think the answer changes depending on the platform and what year it is and what day it is, duration of video. Mm. What do you guys suggest? What is? Do you have a rule of thumb for how long should this video be? I know we talked about before the podcast, Facebook is now encouraging your videos or saying if it's over three minutes you're going to get more engagement. I probably suspect their motivation is the longer you're on Facebook, the more ads they can sell and the more they can justify mm. that. So that's probably one of their reasons.
0: Could be. <clears throat>
3: um, I remember a couple of years ago the thought was shorter is better and now we're seeing long form kind of make a comeback. What's your philosophy on duration of videos?
0: Duration. Okay. So again, it is a little bit tethered to your objective. So if you're trying to get an, if you're, if the objective of this piece of content is an announcement that you're making right there there's really no reason to be any longer than the amount of time it takes to make the announcement
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that being said if your objective has anything to do with increasing engagement increasing brand um, or you know elevating your brand um, doing something where you really want people to become a greater advocate for a thing whether that's your brand a program or an initiative or anything like that um, my philosophy which is just through through the like years of doing this is be as long as you can afford to be while staying extremely interesting. Maybe that's maybe that's only 60 seconds, right? So having that self awareness to be like, how interesting is this content? Do not be any longer than you can afford to be by staying interesting. So um, and the reason is it is a much bigger brand win to earn someone's attention for 10 minutes than it is to earn someone's attention for one minute. So you have a bigger, you've you you've made a bigger brand impact by earning attention for longer. That being said, earning attention for 10 minutes is insanely difficult, <laughs> <Yeah>. insanely <laughs> difficult. But if you could do it, you would have had a bigger accomplishment for your brand. So, so the, the, the idea, because for example, I mean, you know, if a film can really earn your attention for 90 minutes, um, then and you're opting into that you know, after work on, you know, on Netflix, I mean, content can be very long and be interesting. Now, the reason that people used to say make your content short, I think the only reason that was ever a thing is because most people don't know how to be interesting for longer than mm-hmm. 30 seconds. I think that's really what it comes down to. So I would say um, for us, we're always trying to shorten our content. So we'll make a piece of content that's, that's two minutes long, so let's say we film for, you know, a day and we capture all this B-roll and A-roll and we make something 2 minutes long. Well, maybe we're using the best 20% mm-hmm. of what we shot. But if we make that video 1 minute long, now we're using the best 10% of what we shot. And if we if it's 30 seconds long, now we're using the best 5% mm-hmm. of what we shot. And so there's this concept that shorter it's easier to be interesting shorter. Yeah. So you get the idea. So there's, there's, I think the it's asking the wrong question to say how long should it be, uh, universally. I think it's the right question to say how long should this piece of content be, because of um, what we have on our hands here and what we know the objective is and all that.
3: It should never feel like it was a long video. It was a long watch. It Should no. always be like, oh, that was a fast two minutes, or that was a fast ten minutes.
0: You you want yeah you, exactly. That's a great way to put it. You want the viewer to be like to not even notice the time passing because it's that good. And any, any sense, you know, I mean, here's a good one is, you know, show the video, show the video to uh, to a friend or, or colleague and kind of kind of at the corner of your eye, just kind of like watch their attention span If yeah. they start to kind of look around the room, mm-hmm. you know that you're going too long and maybe you should cut, you know, some fat at that mm-hmm. point of the video, but you get to the point where you really, if you're not afraid to be, to be honest with yourself, you know, cause our video, you know, your video is like your little piece of art. You don't want to, you know, you feel... You know, it, it, you feel like you're criticizing your child or something. Um, you know, but you uh, it is good to uh, shorter. Shorter is always more engaging. Longer is always a bigger a bigger uh, attention um, win. So you've you've earned more attention in the day of your target audience, which is always a good thing too. So you're fighting you're fighting both ends.
3: That's a skill though, because when I was first in the news business, you go out like you said, you're shooting an hour of an interview times three to make that into a minute and a half, two minutes, it's like you think everything's so good, but to edit it down to one thirty, one forty-five, 1.45, it, it takes a while, and you just gotta realize, like, I may, you have to realize you're biased and you're subjective, and it has to be for the viewer, not yourself. Oh, they said this, and they took the extra time to explain this, I wanna leave that in, because they, no, you can't, you have to have that lens of from the viewer, not yourself, which is not easy to do
0: it's not it's it's a it's a little bit scary um to do but you're absolutely right
3: so rob if somebody's in southern california looking to up their video game up their brand and they're want to work with school shine or they're listening the midwest back east if they're going to contact a professional video company like you guys what do you advise for them what questions should they be asking what what is the kind of approach that you would recommend to people on the other end uh, okay, I'm going to contact this company. I want a good video. How do I make this process better? How do I get the most bang for my buck?
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think the the best place to start with answering that question is I think school districts have to understand why they should hire a professional video team, like a professional um, people that have been people that do this for a living, people that have been doing this for a long time. Why have high quality videos? If you can get some engagement with a, with a video on a cell phone, why have high quality videos? Um, I think I think having the right perspective of that, you're gonna you're gonna get more bang for your buck because you're gonna be you're gonna have the right um, th- the right expectations in mind. So, th- the the biggest reason by far to use a professional video team for your district is to elevate brand. Uh, you can get attention from a cell phone video. You can get attention from a in house video. Um, but only a professional video is going to elevate brand and what i mean by that is when someone uh, maybe a new a, a family that's thinking about you know uh, transferring in or someone who you know um, is a parent but doesn't really feel one way or the other about the district it's just the you know they're not like an advocate they just you know they just they're, they live nearby which is i think it's a, <laughs> a lot of parents families um when they see when they see the video that when they see a brand elevating video that just means that their, imp- their impression of the district, or their opinion of the district, or their excitement about the district has just increased. Um, because, and also th- their, their impression of the, the posturing of the district has increased. Um, that, that it, it increases the, their, their, um, yeah, their excitement about brand. And we say, well, what is brand? I mean, brand is how you feel when you think about the district. Mm-hmm. Brand is emotional. Um, Nike's brand is how you feel when you see Nike's logo when you glance at Nike's logo what are those emotions when you so see
3: the swoosh what's when you see, when you <laughs> see the swoosh uh, what
0: what is whatever you're feeling that's that's their brand mm-hmm. and what they feel you know do they feel trust do they feel safe do they feel um, excited about the future do they feel um, like you know it's like it's like what what do they feel about the characteristics and, and I think if a lot of the time, and this is this is uh, only for, only a district can, you know can decide this on their own. But a lot of the time, you know, a district can have a, a killer website, an awesome branding and logo, you know, great facilities, amazing teachers, and a lot of times the worst manifestation manifestation of their brand is their video content because they haven't invested in that. And, and the problem with that is their video content is actually gonna kind of be a ding to the brand. It's gonna kind of it's kind of maybe it'll. Is that maybe it's not only not elevating the brand, but maybe it's harming the brand a little bit because they see this piece of video content and it's, it's not of the quality that they manifest their brand everywhere else. And so that's something to really consider is given how powerful this medium is to make a, an emotional impact, you know are you investing are you investing on the level that, that you should, especially considering uh, where you're investing everything else? So anyway, that's a lot that's a big roundabout way of saying know why you're investing in quality content. Don't just do it because the neighboring district is, you know, really take ownership of, of, who, we're proud of who we are. We have amazing stories. We need to tell them well and we need to do so in a way that elevates brand and, and is, you know, in a way that is deserving of our district and how great we are. So, um, and I would say come with objectives. You know, the, the first question we're going to ask to a new district is, Who's your audience? What are your objectives? What are your most important goals? Because honestly, whatever your most important goals are as a district, whether that's, you know, increasing communications about this program and this initiative, or um, whether you just need to, you know, um, <laughs> whether you need to, you know, you need to communicate to your community about a bond and, and everything that's been going on there. And maybe that'll prime the environment for the next one. And, you know, there's all sorts of really important reasons um, to, uh, to, you know, there's a lot of important goals that, Districts have, so we would say, come with your objectives, and um, and come with your audience. And honestly, that's really all we need to know. And and, and we're here to propose creative ideas that have been proven to work. Um, you know, doing hundreds of videos a year, we we get we get pretty uh, we get a lot of information about, you know, a lot of feedback uh, and looking at the results and the engagement that our videos get. And and so, um, our clients get the benefit of you know they don't have to do as much guessing. You know, we can Mm -hmm. come along and say, yeah, you know, this video is going to make an impact here because. Um, you know past past case studies we have and that sort of thing.
3: And if they come to you and say, Rob, we want to do a lip dub, you tell them no. Get a new goal, a new <laughs> idea. 2012 called. We're done with the lip dubs. Are we done with the lip dubs, Rob? Are we done? Oh,
0: the, li- the oh, the, like where they where they sing along so you, yes, to the. Yes. I don't it know. It was huge for a while. You know that's a great point. I mean, that was the thing. <laughs> it was that was big. that was the thing to do. So the question I would ask now is, what is what is the thing now yeah. that everyone would go? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that district just did that.
3: Yeah, I think that's our next podcast. That's like, the next the one. Is what is the going to be the next trend? Can you set the next <laughs> trend? Because somebody once had the first lip dub. Somebody once did the. Uh, God, there's so many different trends now um, that we've seen through the years. But sometimes districts get on the trend a little too late. So just Stay up with the Joneses, but that's a good that's good. Uh, good topic for another
0: day for that's sure. This is a great point.
3: Rob Wiltsey, founder of School Shine, schoolshine.org. Rob, we, t- we said, hey, we'll do a 15 to 20 minutes. It's now we're going 50-plus uh, minutes just because the, the content. It went by
0: fast. Hey, speaking of good content, <laughs> exactly. I mean, this was, uh, you know, that hopefully this went by fast for the for the listener.
3: I learned a lot. Because I, I love your insights and the techniques. You guys have been doing this forever. But uh, just some of the advice you gave. Uh, it just it didn't feel long to me at all, so I appreciate okay, you okay. taking all this time to do it. Um, and I definitely encourage people to go to schoolshine.org and take a look at some of the samples. The one video that I, the lighting was like whoever lit it, uh, that person lunched on you or something. Mm-hmm. There was not one shadow on your face when you do the introductory video. It's like... Oh my god! Oh, yeah. I think you shot it right here. That was office. like right here, yeah. Yeah, and the lighting was. I was like, I couldn't even find a shadow anywhere. I was. That's. I. I didn't hear a, a word you were saying. I was so impressed with the light <laughs> lighting. I was like, Oh my goodness, that is so good. Yeah. So anyway, I encourage people to go to your website, check that out, um, and appreciate uh, just the insights and to give our listeners some ideas, concepts to start thinking about when they're doing videos because they're so important. But just doing a video and spitting them out, um, it's not always the greatest thing. And I know everyone thinks, every department, every school, oh, we just need a video for this. And it doesn't always solve the problems. It's about the process, the why, and the technique. So, Rob, thank you so much for helping everyone get the most value and engagement um, in the videos and making them better. Enjoyed the conversation, and we'll be chatting with you soon, my friend.
0: Thanks, Ryan. This was fun. Hi, this is Rob Wilsey, founder of Schoolshine. We make custom professional quality videos for school districts. We want to make sure your district has the very best video content possible and the best content strategy so you can get the most out of your videos. So, check out some samples at schoolshine.org and schedule a call with us today to learn how you can take your
1: videos to the next level. That's schoolshine.org. Do you wish that creating and sending email newsletters took less time and effort? Would you like more parents to tune in and read your district's newsletter? If so, try MarketVolt, the email newsletter platform tailored for districts like yours. With MarketVolt, it's simple to create newsletters that parents will read. MarketVolt automatically customizes your newsletter to match each parent's interest. With MarketVolt, you can create better newsletters with less headache and less hassle. Visit BetterK12Newsletter.com to learn what MarketVolt can do for you. That's betterk12newsletter.com, powered by MarketVolt.
2: Hey there, PR experts. Blackboard here. School PR is about telling the story of your students, your teachers, and your school community. From websites and mass notifications to mobile presence and classroom engagement, Blackboard has the tools that you need. And whether you're a one-person shop or part of a bigger communication team, we can help you reach more people more effectively in less time. Thank you for all the work you do in improving education and helping students succeed. And thanks for letting us be a part of it.